This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Oh, we have some juicy sports radio topics here on a Tuesday in Jacksonville. And not even really Jacksonville related so much, but so what? It's fun, right? Aaron Rodgers talking last night with Kenny Mayne. Julio Jones stuff heats up. Brooks Kepka, Bryson DeChambeau. How terrific was that? Does golf need that? Whose side are you on? Is this a little 7th and 8th grade kind of feel to it? Um, but we're here for it. All that and more. We're live at the uh, baseball grounds, 121 Financial Park, Bragan Field. It has so many names, but it has some baseball tonight and plenty of intrigue with Sterling Marte making a rehab assignment for the Marlins down here with the Jumbo Shrimp. Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp have been excellent so far this year. They just got back from a long road trip and performed very nicely. And then Wander Franco, if you pay attention to baseball, especially at the minor league level, but draft picks and rising stars, and that's, uh, of course, affiliated with minor league baseball in such a big way. Well, Wander Franco will be here for the Durham Bulls. That's the affiliate of the Tampa Bay Rays, and he is considered one of the next big stars in the sport. Think Fernando Tatis Jr. and what he's doing with San Diego. Well, could that be Wander Franco and the Tampa Bay Rays in coming years and maybe even months? Might be the only time to see Franco play here in Jacksonville because he's a short phone call away from going up and playing for the Tampa Bay Rays. So we'll see what happens uh, with that. But plenty of intrigue here tonight at the baseball grounds with the shrimp back home on a hot, summery day here in late May. Brent Mortno here. Austin Lane says, listen, if the giraffe ain't there, I'm not coming up. Pretty much, man. This is my official boycott. <laughs> and the giraffe isn't there. Heck, I couldn't even get in the back gate. I thought the giraffe was a security guy there. Um, and last time we were here, the giraffe was there. The back gate was open. So I had to flip it around and come down the right field line instead as the uh, Durham Bulls are, are here and stretching and getting ready for a little BP going on a little is, bit later. Man, is there what? any kind of animal in? Uh, no, there's nothing. Nothing. There, there's nothing. I don't know. Like they said, flamingos had then started yeah. to parade out there instead of the giraffe. But I don't even see the flamingos. Like, what is going on with the zoo here at the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp? I'm telling you, man, we need answers for sure. But, I mean, way to, way to not, you know, address the most important story of the day, and that's happy birthday to you, man. Yeah, that is a big story. Major Huge story. Here. Major should've headlines. Should have put that in the title. All over of social show. media. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's hard to keep your birthday from anyone, as you know. Yes. You've tried to. I've tried uh, so hard. So appreciate all the uh, thoughts and loves and texts and, and everything else. Uh, as you know, as we've discussed many a times on the show, not a big birthday guy. Yeah. Uh, nobody needs to go out of their way, but I do appreciate you taking the time and, and saying uh, happy birthday at the texts and Facebook messages and all the rest. <laughs> so uh, we do appreciate it. But, hey, it's uh, it feels like summer is going to heat up all week long. And, uh, by the way, we do have the Iceman right across the road tonight in a big game. They've got a couple games at home this today and tomorrow. So there's a lot going on locally. Jaguars not uh, on the field today with OTAs. That happened yesterday. Will happen again tomorrow and Thursday. And since our show yesterday, we thought we'd be heading out there tomorrow. That's not the case. It's going to be Thursday now. They moved the media session to Thursday. Some more secretive stuff going on there tomorrow that we're not <laughs> privy to see. Uh, so uh, there won't be much of an update from Jags. I don't think uh, Jags headquarters coming out the next two days. All right. I want to do a little show a little different today. Uh, Shrimp and Iceman, uh, we mentioned that. A couple of quick hitters before we dive into these topics. But the biggest one being, how about the the Brooks Kepka video, man? I mean, golf, again, it's like you're not 
locked into golf. But Sunday night with Phil Mickelson, you have to at least notice the scene and watch the scene. And now with this Brooks Kepka video going on, I mean, this is a gentleman's game. It's a gentleman's sport. But say hello to a rivalry and say hello to teammates on the Ryder Cup that we'll get. That's an interesting dynamic we'll talk about months from now. What was your take on the whole Brooks Kepka Bryson DeChambeau video? Uh, apparently a lot of guys on the tour don't like Bryson DeChambeau, it seems like. Um, I don't know. I mean, like, let's be honest. From the outside looking in, it, it could come off as childish a little bit. Um, it could come off of just, you know, I think he's so a little salty because he didn't win the tournament, whatever the case may be. But we're talking about it. It's all over social media. It's a trending topic. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with a little competitive Rivalry. Now, you know, usually when you have this type of setting, you get you have to have to you know you have to you have to have wins. You have to have competition, guys going back and forth, guys winning tournaments. That's what that's what makes a big rivalry. But at the same time, the fact that I'm talking about it right now, the fact that I know what's going on, and then I guess I don't know, Bryson DeChambeau clap back with him doing some sort of shrug <laughs> hybrid something that I mean I'll be it honest. Painful. I'll be honest, if I'm his agent or I'm like his physical trait, whoever the case may be, they have to have an intervention for Bryson DeChambeau because there's no way he's going to make it another year if he continues to do those type of shrugs. I don't know what he's doing. I don't know what the point of it is. I don't know why you take a video of it. Nevertheless, I think it's great for golf, and we're talking about it, so it's a plus. Team Kepka, Team DeChambeau, which one are you on? After seeing Bryson DeChambeau do that workout, I'm I'm team Brooks Kepka all day. I'm I'm team ride or die on Brooks Kepka because now I get it. Like to me, Bryson DeChambeau was a feel good story, right? Like he gained all this weight, whether it was muscle or fat during you know the the, the quarantine period. Like that got the eyes on golf a little bit. But I guess like what I didn't take into hand though was the fact that like how his peers would feel about the story and like how he would handle himself during the story. Now, I'm not going to let Brooks Kepka be the ultimate litmus test of, you know, what Bryson DeChambeau is like. But, like, ever since I, when I saw that video of Brooks Kepka kind of having, you know, feeling a certain way about Bryson DeChambeau, I kind of went back a little bit and did a little research about how the other players feel about Bryson DeChambeau. And I guess a lot of guys don't really think too highly of him, let's just say. So I think I'm going to roll with uh, Team Brooks Kepka here. Yeah, if you think about, like, uh, we've had robberies with Phil and Tiger, of course, and, and that might have been more, it, not even as significant as everybody made it out to be. Although I think at times it was. It's it certainly become more, way more friendly over the last uh, five to ten years, really. Uh, but we have some villains in the sport. Patrick Reed is kind of a villain in the sport. He's not a very likable figure in the sport. Bryson DeChambeau took that on. Uh, I think, uh, it's funny, I talked to somebody just yesterday, <laughs> just yesterday at lunchtime, said, the perception of him is is maybe not as um, nicely perceived as who he really is. Like there was somebody that had a very high opinion of him, uh, and and was like, well, the perception is not always that way. So I thought that was kind of interesting in the last 24 hours, given what's happened. And I think Brooks Kepka does have that a little bit. Brooks Kepka is different, man. I told you yesterday. I think the millennials love Kepka. I think there's something about him. He feels very Twitterish. <laughs> yeah. Know? I don't know how to describe. He feels Twitterish to me. He yeah. feel. I, I even tweeted last night. I was like, he says what people want to tweet sometimes. You yeah. know, and and we're in a golf world where these are kind of PC. You know, it's a country club feels sometimes, and he kind of breaks that mold. DeChambeau feels maybe at times a little more of that country club feel uh, persona. And that's not always looked upon in a, in a high way. 
by everybody. So I think it's a fascinating dynamic. I've told you many times in the last week. I don't know who I. I don't know sometimes about Kepka. I, I, I feel like I root for him at times. At other times, I'm like, ah, come on, man, this is a little much, you know. Uh, but I, my takeaway from that whole video was like, is is DeChambeau in Kepka's head? Like, Kepka's the better golfer. He's the more proven golfer. Yeah. But I feel like from a mental warfare point of view, like, I feel like DeChambeau's in his head. Like, he made him stop an interview? Really? He got that ticked off? Then he walked by and said something? Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, I guess you can call it living rent-free in somebody's head, but, like, maybe the guy is, is just not liked. You know, like, maybe he, like, he really is just I, – I, I don't know, man. Like – the, the, the more I look into it and the more I see Bryson DeChambeau, the more he gives me just probably a guy I wouldn't hang out with. Now, I'm not sure if I'd hang out with Brooks Kepka either, but just the reaction that he provided and just that moment where he's like, he's just so annoyed that he had to stop the interview. Like, to me, that's funny. And, and to me, that kind of paints the picture of uh, Bryson DeChambeau a little bit. I mean, like, listen, if somebody walks past you and you have that reaction, I mean, I don't care if you're over-exaggerating or not. Like, there's something up there. So. Yes. I would probably lean towards the side of Brooks Kepka because I remember, I think this was last year, we were talking about Kepka about how he's he's a great player, but he doesn't really have a personality. Like we were talking about, like how could we market Brooks Kepka to be a bigger name? Yeah, yeah. Well, well, now I'm not sure if he's doing it on his own accord or if it's just you know obviously psychology taking over. But he seems to be that bigger name now with some of his reactions. Now is he going about it the right way? Is he going about it like a Jake Paul would on YouTube? Probably. But at the end of the day, like I think a lot of the PGA fan base is actually siding here uh, with Brooks Kepka. Well, and here's the thing. For golf, it's transcending the sport today, right? I mean, people are going to talk about it. And they're talking about golf on a Tuesday. You had Phil Mickelson yesterday. We are talking about golf and the sport and everything on Tuesday. It can't be bad for the sport. Does golf need a rivalry? We'll talk about that a little bit later. I wanted to hit on a couple of different topics here in the early part of the show because I think there's some fascinating storylines. Did you catch Kenny Mayne and Aaron Rodgers? I did. What did Aaron Rodgers do? Did, did, did you feel like he told you something? Did he feel like he muddied the situation? Do you come out of that interview outside of like the great close, by the way, by Kenny Mayne, which was fantastic? Yeah. Did you come away thinking Aaron Rodgers is never going to play for the Green Bay Packers again or he will play for the Green Bay Packers again or I'm just as confused as I was two weeks ago? No, like, I mean, truth be told, I don't think we, I'm at least me personally, I didn't really learn that much because it's kind of what we, we've all known. Now, is Aaron Rodgers mad at Jordan Love? No, he, he seems to actually embrace Jordan Love and he, and he seems to um, you know think he's a great teammate. I'm, it it kind of came across like he's helping him out a little bit. Yeah. But at the same time, he's mad at the people that took Jordan Love. That's the difference. Like He's not mad at Jordan Love for the situation that transpired from drafting him in the first round. Aaron Rodgers is mad because they didn't give him the heads up when they did it. Um, and that's kind of been the story since day one. So, like, I, I don't, I didn't really learn a lot from the interview. I get that Aaron Rodgers is upset. It's got nothing to do, I think, with his teammates. It's got everything to do with, you know, going, kicking that ball uh, on fourth down and, and not going for it. It's got everything to do with drafting a quarterback in the first round and not helping him out and letting him know about it. It's got everything to do with, you know, the, the, the last skill player taken in the first round being Aaron Rodgers. So it's almost a sense of, like, he just doesn't feel appreciated and he doesn't feel like they're having his back, even though he's playing at an extremely high level. And I think it's to the point where he decided, you know what, 
I don't want to be here anymore. Now, once again, you know how I feel about it. I think he's going to be in the Packer uniform this up-and-coming season. I don't see him going anywhere. But I think this is a wake-up call for the front office and the organization to say, yes, I am the, the reigning MVP. Yes, I am one of the best quarterbacks uh, in football right now. But I can't do this all myself. Like, you guys got to start understanding that I need help just like anybody else needs help. So you got you guys got to build stuff around me, set me up for success, or what are we even doing here? Yeah, I thought it was... Uh... I thought it was somewhat revealing. Uh, obviously, he got down to the root of it, which we didn't really know. We heard his side of it, I feel like, for like the first time. I mean, maybe it's sprinkled out there, but that was a little more in-depth, right? I mean, again, uh, how, does he really love Jordan Love? I don't know about that, but, I mean, he certainly isn't. The angst isn't about that. It's about the processes of everything that happened. He talked about people. He talked about culture. He really hammered that home. I thought it was a brilliant question by Kenny Mayne about, hey, do you work for the organization? Can you have a say in the organization if you're a player? The way he phrased the question, whether because I think it, there was some symmetry there on what he was exactly talking about with ESPN, you know, and why he's leaving if you read the Kenny Mayne stuff. So yeah. I thought it was a brilliant question the way he phrased it. I thought it was a good answer by Aaron. Rodgers, I just don't know if I succinctly came out of it saying, well, he's definitely leaving the pack now, or he's definitely staying with the Packers. I'm still a little bit confused on where it might fall, uh, but I thought it was a fascinating response and definitely pointed the finger at the front office. No ill will toward the coaching staff, toward the players, all those things, but uh, definitely toward the the front office. And And I thought this part was fascinating to me. It's like he wouldn't be doing this if he didn't win the MVP. Did you catch that? Like, he basically said, hey, once I won the MVP, I felt like I could say something like this. Like, I'm still playing well. Like, I'm still doing my job to the best of ability. I'm doing my job to what they've paid me to do. That's why I make this kind of money. Now it's time for them to do their job better. Like, that's kind of what I got a sense out of. He he wouldn't have been doing all this if he didn't even have that great season last year. No, for sure. And you can, you know, you can theorize that the architect of that great season stemmed from them taking Jordan Love and Aaron Rodgers being ticked off about it. Now, once again, it's not at Jordan Love. It's the fact that they didn't fill him in on it. I think this past season for Aaron Rodgers was a big, big middle finger to the organization saying, all right, you want to take a quarterback? Check out what I can do. So like that was a little extra added motivation, I feel like. Not that Aaron Rodgers needs it, but I felt like this past season, yeah, obviously it's about winning a Super Bowl and all this stuff, but I think the biggest goal for Aaron Rodgers was pointing the finger at the organization saying, look at how good um, I still am, and you guys still don't value me, you guys still don't respect me, and look what I'm doing here. Yeah, uh, other big topic, okay, that uh, I'd like to... We talked about this yesterday, but I, after we left the show, I was still thinking about Julio Jones a little bit. And then there's talk about uh, the Patriots. It's talk about the Tennessee Titans. Uh, there's obviously the reality that he wants out. We floated, hey, would the Jags be interested? Well, so, Does it make sense? Yeah, so um, let's see here. BetOnline. I'm sorry, BetOnline.ag. Is it even um, money for the Patriots? N- it's, so it's minus 150 for the Patriots, plus 800 for the San Francisco 49ers, plus 300 for the Titans, plus 750 for the Packers, and plus 700 for the Ravens. So the Patriots are the clear-cut favorite right now. Uh, and in second place comes the Tennessee Titans at plus 300. Yeah. Kansas City Chiefs, not even on the board. Not on the board. And the Jaguars weren't on the board that I saw the odds no, to uh, as no. well. So uh, here's my, But my thought was this. Julio Jones is definitely one of the players, even at 32 years old, 15 million, coming off some injuries, three years left uh, in a sport where everybody likes to get younger, where you ask, where, where everybody picks up the phone. Everybody calls a meeting and has a conversation. Hey, this guy wants out. 
like, and, and again, the, the people inside the NFL circles probably known this for months that he really, really wants out. But it was hammered home yesterday publicly, and he's not going to play for the Atlanta Falcons. I think that's crystal clear. Yes. Like Green Bay, Russell Wilson with Seattle, uh, Green Bay and Rodgers. I, I don't think that's crystal clear, right? I, that hasn't been to me. I, in fact, I thought Wilson was staying with Seattle. I still think Rodgers is going to end up in Green Bay. I don't know what's going on with Deshaun Watson. I can tell you this. I think, no doubt about it, Julio Jones is not staying in Atlanta. So where does he go? But I, I just find it there's very few players that every team in the league probably calls about, mm-hmm. no matter your situation. I mean, the Jags are 1-15 in coming off that season, and they should still call about Julio Jones. He is that kind of player. That's how... It, like, Austin, yeah, but, even, even though Russell pointless. Wilson, I, I understand, but they should at least have the conversations and say, hey, what would it take? What would it look like? I think somebody proposed, like, a LaVisca Chenault second rounder to Atlanta for Julio Jones. Like, does that make you think? Well, yeah, it makes me think. Sure. That, <laughs> Absolutely yeah, it makes me sure. think. So but that's my point, right? Yeah. Uh, whereas, like, if you go to the quarterback route, like Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, remember when Deshaun Watson, that stuff first came about, people were like, would you trade it for the number one pick? And, and people were like, no, I won't even entertain it. I want Trevor Lawrence here. Uh, he's cheaper. He might be even better. Um, all that stuff. So even when the quarterbacks are available, not every, a lot of teams have their guy. Well, with Julio Jones, he's one that everybody calls on, looks into, researches, says, hey, well, he's available, maybe. How much would this help our team? Is it worth taking a peek? He's that kind of player, Austin. Absolutely. Go ahead and take a peek if you're the Jacksonville Jaguars. Get a nice package together. If you want to sprinkle LaVisca Chanel and a couple draft picks on there to try to entice the Falcons, go ahead and do that. But reality is that it's not going to happen. It's it's a fantasy. It, 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 it's just not, it's not feasible because, once again, and I kind of spoke on this on Friday a little bit, Yes, Julio Jones wants out of Atlanta, okay? And I think the Falcons understand that, and they're going to facilitate that for him. But there's still a relationship there between the Falcons and Julio Jones of what he's given that franchise. And Julio Jones has stated, you know, obviously, that it's his goal to win a Super Bowl now. So that's right. That's why, you know, the five teams on the list right now in terms of Vegas or whatever that say the uh, the odds are the best, they're teams that could maybe contend to go to the Super Bowl. Maybe. Now, the Titans, 49ers, we'll see. But keep in mind, Shanahan, there's a connection there with Julio Jones. But that's the whole point of this. Like, I get that the Atlanta Falcons are probably going to ask for a King's Ransom, not get it, and have to settle for something else, and that's fine. But they're also going to do right by Julio Jones because of what he's given them. Julio Jones isn't going to the Jaguars. Julio Jones isn't going to the, the Houston Texans. He's not going to go, um, you know, he, he's not going to go to, to teams right now that can't feasibly make a Super Bowl just because I think they respect him too much. So that's why these teams like the Patriots, the Ravens, the Packers come up into play a little bit. So I understand every team's going to be doing their best um, to try to entertain a Julio Jones trade because that's what you got to do. If, you, if you're trying to win um, during the season, Julio Jones makes you better. But at the same time, you got to be realistic and say, do we have the team to facilitate to go to a Super Bowl to make him happy? If you're Jacksonville, probably not. Yeah, I wonder who he goes to that scares you the most. You know, well, like, I mean, Tennessee. If you're a Jaguars fan, yeah, it, uh, yeah, specifically for the Jags, of course. If he goes in your division, I just wonder the league. Like, uh, I, I still think if he goes to the Patriots, I'm still a little, you know, me and the Patriots, man. I, they're trying something totally different. They're spending a ton of money. They're piecing it together. Maybe it turns out great. I still don't really – I'm not in love with their quarterback situation. They're either playing a rookie or a washed-up guy, it looks like to me. So I, I don't uh, – I, I don't 
Even if he went to the Patriots, my point being, I don't know if I'm super scared. If he goes to Arizona or if he goes to the Ravens, I'm like, whoa, okie dokie, that catches my attention, you know? Yeah. Uh, that's the difference for me. If he goes to Green Bay, if he goes to Seattle, like I suggested Seattle, if, if for your sake, uh, goes to Kansas City, it's like, holy cats, like that's a super team. So uh, it's uh, Julio Jones very interesting. Later in the show, I do want to ask this question about Julio, and that is, did the Falcons do right by trading everything away? even though they didn't win a Super Bowl with Julio Jones way back in the day. Uh, is the 10 years and all the receptions and touchdowns and, and a lot of wins uh, that they got and the one trip to the Super Bowl worth everything they gave up? Like, would a team sign up to do that right now for a player like Julio uh, for the next 10 years? Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Broadcasting, very interesting right now. Kenny Mayne, I, I thought he delivered again yesterday in his final sports center. I think he's an interesting character uh, in in our sports culture, based on sports center being a part of our culture. Uh, and it was well done in its victory lap the last couple of weeks. And then did you see what's happening in the WWE? I want your reaction. Big news. You don't even know it yet, do you, Austin? Uh, you know what? I'm not going to say I'm surprised. Um, I understand the guy's good at what he does, but he was not made to call wrestling. I know what you're nah. talking about. Okay, we'll uh, touch on that a little bit if you don't know anything uh, with that story. There's some breaking news on that. <laughs> yes, on the WWE. There's breaking news. <laughs> uh, we got that coming up. We're live at the baseball grounds. one two one Financial Ballpark. Break and field. Call it everything. You can listen to Shrimp, of course, right here on ESPN 690. They're back home this week in Jacksonville, and we're back on ESPN 690 right after this. No, but we could really take this show off the rails if we wanted to go all like half politics, half sports. Austin Lane. I mean, have you been on Twitter lately? That's, do, you, do you want a hundred thousand extra hundred thousand dollars? Do you want a scholarship? Let's go politics. <laughs> when we get back here. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Golf course was asking a lot from you today, Brooks. What were you able to do well and put up that nice number? Just ball struck my way around this place. Um, didn't putt well, but. I don't think many guys are going to putt well with this wind. It's it's very tough. I don't I don't know what other guys have said or I just felt it difficult to read. You know, sometimes, sometimes. Um, so I lost my train of thought. Yeah, hearing that. <laughs> We're going to enjoy that in the TV compound. Oh man, <laughs> it was really good. Like. Here's what I want to know about that. That was Brooks Kepka and the whole DeChambeau thing, if you hadn't heard it. So that video gets leaked out. Obviously, that's like a taped uh, segment yeah. with Todd Lewis. And somebody got their hands on it and pushed it out there. Is that person getting a raise or getting fired? Well, but it seemed because Kepka even said that he doesn't care if it gets out there or not. I know, so. I know. Well, but it wasn't like the Golf Channel pushed it out there. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> what I'm trying to figure out is what actually happened. Like, was it just because he was walking past them? Did he say no, something? No, he said something. But you well, can't, you what can't happened was, what he so he's talking about what, what somebody gave me on uh, Twitter when I asked that question is, like, the transcript of it was essentially he's talking about the putts and not yeah. a lot of putts going in, the wind, and DeChambeau's walking uh by him and as he's walking by he says all you gotta do is get on the right line or something like that uh, uh so that's kind of some of that i'm paraphrasing so, but so he basically like he's hearing him talk mm-hmm. and answer the question and it sounded like DeChambeau walking by is 
kind of commenting on what he's saying to Todd Lewis, the reporter. Well, did you see DeChambeau, like, I guess uh, golfers doing thing on, on um, Instagram? He commented in there saying, you know you can fix spike marks now. So I was wondering if, like, maybe he he did something while he was walking well, up. No, it's because he wears metal cleats or, like, metal spikes. But is that why he was annoyed? Like, I was just so confused as to what he was annoyed with. Brent, well, I was wrong, too initially. Doesn't DeChambeau, he's, like, one of the only guys on tour that wears metal spikes? He, I don't know that, honestly. Mm. I watch a lot of golf, but I don't know that. So golf you expert might, Austin Lane. Well, I, I will say this. Not too many people do anymore. Yeah. Um, and, and have it for like a decade. You know, yeah. they've gone to the soft spikes. And so uh, maybe that was it, Austin. Again, I just had somebody reply back to me on Twitter when I asked that very question. And I saw a lot of people asking that question. And um, that was the answer I got. Could it have been the spikes, you know, <laughs> like like a football team going out of the locker room that got his attention? Again, I mean, I think this is ve- – that moment there says whether it's going to matter on the golf course or not, it shows me that – DeChambeau is in Brooks Kepka's head. I mean, he, he can't stand him that much. Yeah. Like, and we've all had people like that, you know, that we cringe. Like, oh, gosh, got to hear. Whether it's somebody in your class in eighth grade or or but, something bigger yeah. than that, it's it feels very seventh and eighth grade to me. But also, uh, you got to keep in mind, too, if you're rocking the metal spikes, it's going to be pretty loud, like, if you're doing the interview. During the interview. So maybe yeah. that had something to do with it as well. Like, I mean, it, are they he knows fight? he's coming, right? Like, he knows he's coming. Yeah. It, to your point, he, he says, all right, right here. He doesn't even have to look. Yeah. He knows the metal spike guy is DeChambeau. Yeah. And the, and the whole thing... The, the whole DeChambeau thing is is somewhat polarizing, although I really feel like a lot of people have put their arms around what DeChambeau has done. I'm not saying they love the guy, but they you can't help but notice what he did. He transformed his body, transformed his game, kind of changed the game over the last year a little bit. So um, there could be some angst behind that, and he's just got this way. Both guys have this way about him that is going to rub some people the wrong way. Now, it just depends what side you're on. But they are no doubt, they're not the warmest of guys in just the way they present themselves. And I think um, that sets up something very unique. You know, it's totally different than Phil and Tiger. Like, Phil and Tiger was was kind of the Kepka guy. And Phil was, shoot, man, Arnold Palmer and Ricky Fowler and everybody else. He's like this warm guy. He's engaging to everyone. Yeah. And, and so it's Shades not are that. Aggressive. Yeah, it's aggressive. The chewing gum is aggressive. Yes. But, but that was the rivalry, right? It's like, I don't like Tiger, man. He doesn't look like he did help a baby if he fell down. Like, I mean, that's the kind of the view of Tiger back in the early 2000s. Wouldn't say anything. But you love the fact that he was so good if you really love Tiger and the fact that he was changing the game and screw being a gentleman all the time. I'm going to step on your throat and beat the crap out of you, you know? Mm-hmm. And Kepka has a little bit of that in him. But I'll say this. I think DeChambeau has a little bit of that in him, too. And he's like, listen, I've changed it. It's working. I'm showing you that I can do this, and I've did something that nobody else has done. Look at my last couple of years. And so there isn't, in this kind of rivalry setting, there isn't the warm, engaging fill, is my point. I don't know if that matters or not. But I think both players have some that really like them and have some that really don't. It's, both are very polarizing. And in that respect, I think um, it has a little bit of Tiger Phil because it was one or the other from most people. I wasn't. I kind of like both guys. But I think a lot of people was one or the other. Either a Team Tiger or Team Phil. Uh, this one will be very interesting to watch. My question, I, I guess, quickly about this is, do, do we need it? Like, everybody's like, yeah, golf needs a rivalry. I had a lot of people tweet, say, hey, 
Yeah, this is awesome. This is great for golf. I don't think it's ever bad for golf, but I will say this, Austin. I'm not sitting here watching golf after Phil wins and some of the young guns that they have and even some of the Tiger moments of the last few years when he was on the course and healthy and saying, man, golf's hurting. Golf really needs a rivalry. Man, what's going to save golf? Like, I don't really think that's the state of golf. I think golf is doing fine worldwide, but it certainly doesn't hurt to have a little bit of a rivalry in any sport. No, it doesn't hurt, but it's just like with boxing. Like, I don't think boxing needs Jake Paul and Logan Paul. Now, it gets eyes on the sport, and it gets the casual audience talking about it. A lot like what's happening right now. Um, is this the, the game changer for me where it's like, well, I have to tune in now every single weekend and watch golf? Absolutely not. But like, will I watch this from a distance and see what happens? More than likely, yeah. And I mean, and hopefully, like, I don't want anybody to fight or anything. But if this ends in a fight, then so be it. Because I'm curious <laughs> to see who would win between these two. You know, they're they're both pretty big specimens. So uh, I'm very curious to say the least. But I don't think golf needs this per se. But it doesn't hurt. Here's the thing. What's fascinating about this going forward is, I think, from a golf perspective is the fact that they're both very good, Austin. And so to see them on a Sunday in contention and playing in the same group like we just saw Kepka and Mickelson is not out of the question. Like, it could happen five times in the next ten years. That's how good these guys are. Uh, I also believe the dynamic of them in the Ryder Cup <laughs> play on the same team. Not to, They won't play in the same team. I don't think somebody will set them up for that. Yeah. But just on the same 12-man team is also fascinating. And... That goes back to probably any team sport, though. There's always guys that people in the locker room don't necessarily love, but you do your job and you're around. I mean, at your workplace, do you absolutely love everybody? Probably not, but you might have to work with them to get the job done. I I think that will be a little bit of the Ryder Cup feel, but I think there's some fascinating parts of that. I'll tell you what, man. The hero of this entire scene is in the U.S. Open. If whoever's setting that schedule, which is the USGA, just puts them in a grouping together in the first couple rounds. Oh yeah, and then like you know have <laughs> like the mics that or whatever. Like you, you can have like the like the ESPN eight where you can tune in and just watch what they say back to each other. That'd be fantastic. I mean, how good? Again, I love talking to you about this stuff because it's okay. Like you're not a you're admittedly you'll you'll peek in on golf if it's a big deal like Sunday was or or but you're not watching the first couple rounds of the U.S. Open. You're yeah. gonna pick them based off their bio and what they look like. Correct. But you're not watching. I got a feeling if it's Brooks Kepka DeChambeau Thursday at the U.S. Open, you're taking a closer look. I'll definitely take a closer look. Um, I'll probably check out the highlights on Twitter because that's what Twitter is for. But I'd definitely be a little more intrigued for sure. Uh, where Where does this go from here? In boxing or in MMA, you would have a fight. <laughs> yeah. I, I, right? I mean, honestly, like, I'm kind of... I don't think we're going to have a fight, okay? I, I, I don't think that would be good for the sport. I, I don't, maybe it would be great entertainment, but I just don't think we're well, getting there. No, for sure. But if, like, if someone gave me the Brooks Kepka treatment and, like, I saw the video the next day, I'm going to confront that person about it. And I'm be like, you know, do we have a problem or, like, what, what's going on here? You know, because, like, the, the way just Brooks Kepka rolled the eyes and everything and, like, once again, kind of acting like a child. I kind of like it, but you're kind of acting like my six-year-old. Yes. But at the same time, like I'm taking that as a sign of disrespect. Like you're 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 trying to, you know, you're trying to talk behind my back and one up me. Like that can't happen. So if I'm Bryson, man, I'm 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 at least confronting him about it, and then whatever happens after that happens after that. But I'm, right. not, I'm not just gonna let it slide. And by the way, you can do a lot more than once again. I can't say this enough. Posting an Instagram live video of you doing a workout that does nothing for you. 
Yeah, that was odd. The whole thing is odd, right? Golf people in a in a in a public feud is kind of odd in general, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Because keep in mind, Phil and Tiger, it never really. Well, there are probably some circumstances where it was a little needle here or there, but there's there's never anything like this. I don't think uh, somebody can probably bring something up. Like, yeah, Brent, there was. There was this moment, and maybe there was. But this just feels like such a moment where it's like basically. I don't care if it's out there in the world that I don't like you, Bryson DeChambeau. Like, it's just right in your face. Brooks Kepka saying, I don't like you, dude. And Bryson DeChambeau, I think the way he's built, the way he's put muscle on, the way he's played is probably like, I don't really care for you either, man. And mm-hmm. hey, we just don't get that, I think, publicly, vocally acknowledged by the parties in the sport of golf. I mean, it happens in football. It happens in baseball. It happens in most every sport. Just doesn't seem like it. Heck, it happens. I think even in tennis, there are great rivalries like that. Yeah. It does not seem to happen in it's golf. Just, yeah, man. It, uh, and it's just not that kind of sport. So the dynamic is even more so. It's not a physical sport at, at all. Yeah, <laughs> so. it, well, like, the, the way I see it, and I, I don't know, I, like, I'm giving these guys way too much credit here. But like the way I see this, it's like if there's like a like a hip hop beef, like if we're talking like Drake versus Meek Mill. Okay. What happens? Like somebody, you know, someone has a diss track, and then somebody responds to it, and it goes back and forth until someone's declared the winner by the internet. Because that's how you decide things. It's by Twitter and Instagram and all that stuff. That's a good call. But like, you know, Brooks Kepka fires the first shot, and, and for whatever reason, I can't get over what DeChambeau did here, where it's like, all right, guys, let's go ahead and show one up him, and let's go ahead and go to the gym which appears to be in my garage, I'll grab 90 pounds, I'm going to half curl them, not do anything, and then I'm going to have the quote, can't stop, won't stop. Like, was 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 that the fire back? Was, like, who advised him to do that? Like, do you think Brooks Kepka's like, well, well man, I, I better just take it easy now. Like, this guy's half curling 90 pounds, we better be careful. Like, no, what? It's just, I don't know. But see, this is... This is great, though, because this is what people get so appealed by with Jake and Logan Paul. It's like it, it's so cringeworthy that you can't look away. Yeah, that's a good point. It's like, <laughs> like it's, it's, yeah, I, don't know. I wanted the flex of like like a Ferrari in the background. I mean, why not? You know, to do your thing. And by the way, I'm trying to see what song he's playing. Dude, he's playing a song I can't tell because you he know was, what? He was. It, it was the song he, in the back, but it's yeah, too I think small. He gave him credit. Yeah. Hey, uh, we're going to break, uh, but uh, we'll talk about it on the other side a little more. Adnan Verk. Out at WWE, you watch wrestling. I mean, is is that a big story? Uh, I mean, it's definitely a huge story because it has gave him the the job. So yeah, it's a big deal for him, right? Oh, huge deal. Yeah, I mean, anytime that you get offered that job, uh, they at least want to see it through. I feel like a year because I'm sure it comes with a lot of money. But uh, Vince McMahon, you know, and obviously there was a lot of outcries on Twitter that he just wasn't doing a good job, and I, and I agree with that. You know, you don't want to see anybody lose their job, but. When you hire a non-wrestling guy to commentate wrestling, it shows. And you can get help. You can, you know, try to bone up on your knowledge, the, you know, the next couple months or so. But it's still going to be lacking. And definitely diehard wrestling fans who want to pick up everything that you do, it just it wasn't a good fit for him. I don't understand how they didn't catch all that in the tryout process of this. Uh, the, yeah. You know, I mean, I... You get a feel for that pretty quick. I mean, this isn't Pat McAfee's role. Uh, this isn't like Tony Romo going to the booth. I mean, the guy played football. <laughs> yeah. This was totally out there, and I think people mentioned it right from the start. Talk a little bit about that. And uh, a little Sunshine of Rainbows with Kenny Mayne. I thought that was pretty good stuff last night. Uh, how big of an impact on your sports world was Kenny Mayne 
We discuss it next from the baseball grounds, Bragan Field, 121 Financial Park, Jumbo Shrimp, Durham Bulls. Coming up tonight, you can listen to it on ESPN 690. A lot of people are uh, counting on this interview, we, like make some big news so you could take Jeopardy, you're going to retire, uh, you're going to demand a trade, you're going to show up on time. I mean, pick one. G- give me something to work with here. I'm just here so I won't get fined, Ken. <laughs> Good answer, Aaron Rodgers. Good answer. Uh, later revealed a little bit more in an interview with Kenny Mayne. Uh, so long, Kenny Mayne from ESPN. Uh I thought his departure was handled brilliantly. I just put out in a tweet. I, I said, I don't like TV goodbyes often. I think they're very clunky. Uh, they're hard to pull off and, and make great. I'm not saying people haven't earned the, the right to have them and do them. Yeah. Uh, that's fine. And, and actually, I kind of feel like, heck, there have been some people in this market I think should have got more of a goodbye. Uh, from uh, Sam Kavaris to... Heck, Dan Hicken, when he left his old station, joined us. So, I mean, I think uh, those stations handled that very poorly, quite frankly. So, um, I'm okay with them. I just say usually they're not great. <laughs> they're just hard to do and hard to make very good. And I thought Kenny Maynes the last couple of weeks, the dynamic of it was sensational. The way he did it, the way he told the story, the way he was forthright with the information and the way they allowed him to be, really, and, and allowed him to stay on knowing that they could trust him to just be him. And, and have some fun with a goodbye and, and get a little bit of a victory lap in there. I thought it was very cool. I don't know how much you watched of that, uh, Austin. I, I know you're not like a deep into the business guy, but um, I think from my viewpoint, someone who grew up around this business and has been in it for 20 years, I, I thought that was really well done. From Aaron Rodgers to Marshawn Lynch uh, to Fred McGriff yeah. to the dry humor uh, and, that Kenny Mayne already has. Um, and I thought it was a very classy goodbye. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was cool. I mean, obviously, he, he goes out on a high note, and he goes out, you know, everybody talking about it with the Aaron Rodgers stuff. Yeah. Um, I always see, like, as a kid growing up when SportsCenter was, like, must-see TV, like, to me, it was two guys that were, like, above everybody else. And I mean, there's a lot of great guys that have come from ESPN, but it was Kenny Mann and Stuart Scott. Like, yeah. um, you know, and obviously the late Stuart Scott, you know, he was more of like, he was the cool, he had all like the, you know, the slangs and like all, all like the, the, the funny quips that you used to always say during the highlights. Um, and like he set himself apart with that. For me, Kenny Mayne, it was just about, it was about the timing, like you said, like the dry sense of humor where, you know, if you didn't pick up on it, you would miss it. But, like, he would throw so many great one-liners in there, and he would do them with an effort that was, like, the guy's not even trying. It's almost like he didn't even care what he was doing. Like, he's talking to millions and millions of people, but he had the demeanor where it was just like, yeah, whatever, man. Like, I'm, I'm talking sports. It's not that serious. Um, you know, let's, whatever, let's do the highlights. And, like, I always respected that about Kenny Mayne. And, like, you know, it's something that I, I try to draw to my own sometimes when I'm on the radio where it's like, don't take things so seriously. Have fun with it. Um, you know, have your own style. And Kenny Mayne definitely had that. Yeah, and I think that's so appreciated by people. I got to be honest with you. You know me, man. I'm not pop culture guy, right? Yeah. Like I'm not like. And so some of even his references, I felt like I'd have to look up sometimes. Okay. For sure. Uh, and I'm like, grow up in the business guy. No, I want to do this since I was 12 years old. Bob Costas, you know, I, I watched him closely. So it was a departure from kind of what I grew up on so much. So I'm not going to sit here and tell you. And if Kenny was right here listening, I would say, listen, I was like locked into Kenny Mayne all the time. I, I wasn't. That wasn't kind of how I grew up on it, but at the same time, you appreciated the variance of it. It was so different, and different in our business is king, 
and yeah. the appreciation for it um, that I think maybe even took some time and didn't even realize at times that it was 27 years worth for Kenny Mayne. I think uh, you're talking from generation to generation. He did a fantastic job of keeping those generations in touch with one one personality. Uh, I, I think uh, you're right. I think there's a lot of Stuart Scott, Kenny Mayne. Dan Patrick group, was great. Uh, for you know? sure. yeah, yeah, there's a, a lot of them. Yeah. And listen, remember when we were at the Super Bowl a couple years ago? I think it was, uh, where were we, Atlanta? Yeah. Uh, and we had Kenny Mayne on. Yeah. And Kenny Mayne uh, was terrific on the air, but I thought he was great off the air. I, that's the I don't know Kenny Mayne very well. We had him on this one time. It was set up through ESPN, and we do that a lot, especially at the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. But I remember him because we talked a bunch off air after, and I thought he was really cool down to earth talking about his foundation um, and helping veterans. And then he gave us his number. Yeah. Like, he gave us his number, like, yeah, hey, call me anytime if you want to come on. Well, I can tell you this. A lot, I'm not saying personalities are bad guys, but they don't usually do that. And he sure. was like, hey, yeah, if you need me on. But he was sharing just like how his contract works a little bit and how many days he's on. I was just asking him a little bit of inside the business stuff. And I thought he was tremendous. So I can see why he has developed a lot of relationships inside the business with athletes, too. And I'm always fascinated with that part of it. I'm fascinated that Aaron Rodgers thinks so much of Kenny May. Yeah. Uh, Marshawn Lynch thinks so much of Kenny May, Fred McGriff, all those relationships. The Seattle Seahawks like put out a very cool tweet. So good for Kenny May. Congratulations to him. Uh, wish him the best. And as I've read more about him, I've learned more about him. You know, he's really a brilliant mind in the production aspect. There's so many smart people that work at ESPN. ESPN gets hammered a lot, but there are smart, smart people that work uh, and have worked for ESPN. I think he's one of them. He really loves, like, the commercial aspect of our business and um, I think is going to venture into some of that along with some other opportunities that he'll have. But uh, pretty cool. I I just thought the whole thing was was worth a note. We don't really talk about broadcasting very much, but – I thought the Kenny Main thing uh, was very good, but also it's another link to the past, right? The business has changed. I think even Sports Center has changed, and with time, you lose some links to the past. And I would say 27 years at ESPN, how many kids grew up on Kenny Main doing Sports Center, especially the late night edition? Uh, well, that's what they'll think about, like him doing those Sports Centers, uh, regardless of wherever you see Kenny Main now for the next 10 or 15 years. Exactly, man. I mean, you know, and it begs the question as well. Like, you know, when we go back and, and we look at some of the, the great guys that come from, you know, ESPN and Sports Center, you know, like John Anderson, you had Rich Eisen. Um, do you get the sense, like, is that old way kind of done? Because, like, to me, growing up, like, they were, like, they were celebs, you know, like, they were. They, they were really pop culture. And now, you know, we have social media and like, I'm not sure what, what the ratings of SportsCenter do now and everything. And don't get, don't get it twisted. Like the, the next batch of up and coming talent at ESPN, they're fantastic. But like, do you think that, I guess you got like Stephen A. Smith and guys like that, but do you think like those guys, the Stuart Scotts, the Chris Bermans, all those guys, like, is that whole thing done, Brent? Or do you think, like, the next generation up and coming will kind of have their own thing, like their own time in the spotlight? Yeah, you, I think you, they you, could. You see what I'm, kinda, I'm trying to I, say? I know what you're saying. Yeah. I think there's so much more competition, man. It's like local TV. It just wasn't, isn't what it used to be. Sure. There's just so much competition. People just aren't at home watching their local CBS, NBC, ABC affiliates, you know? And so I think ESPN has run into that. They've run into competition. And it's just not the way it used to be. That doesn't mean it can't be good. It can't be great. It can't be good personalities. I think they'll continue to produce a lot of those folks. But 
that link to the way it used to be is guys like Kenny Mayne, Chris Berman. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Isaac hasn't been there, and Patrick haven't been there in a while. But those guys, and those guys can't hang on forever. That's just the reality of it. Uh, my sunshine and rainbows for the day. Kenny Mayne, wish him luck in his next endeavor. It's brought to you by A1A Solar each and every day on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Need a good paying job with a flexible work schedule and benefits? A1A Solar is looking for you. $70,000, a reasonable first-year expectation. Be a part of an awesome company. A1A Solar. Visit A1A Solar.com. We'll be right back from the baseball grounds on ESPN 690.